I'm Tavis Smiley. Delighted to have you with us in this hour. What an amazing conversation with Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. Enjoyed that immensely as we celebrate the 40th anniversary. Uh, Ronald Reagan signing the bill into law, declaring Dr. King's birthday a national holiday. The only African-American to be so honored. Uh, enjoyed that conversation immensely, as I trust you did. Uh, we are in this hour looking forward to talking to Nikki Giovanni. Uh, we don't have her on the line as yet. Uh, we are... Uh, uh, trying to track her down. It seems like something has gone wrong. Uh, that happens, though. It's live radio, and we're, we're going to keep working to get uh, to get Nikki on the line here. Uh, but we are hoping to talk to her momentarily about this new documentary. And if anybody has earned a documentary, uh, it is certainly Nikki Giovanni. Uh, the documentary is called Going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni Project. Uh, and uh, in the project, uh, she sort of travels through space and time to reveal uh, the enduring influence of uh, her legacy uh, as a writer, as a speaker, as a professor, as a public intellectual. She is, of course, one of America's greatest living artists and social commentators. Uh, Here now, the trailer for Going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni Project. I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, but I am an Earthling. the most renowned black poets this world has ever seen. There is no you without this goddess. Well, you're sort of a prophet. I, I would hate to think of myself as being a prophet. Prophets die. Yeah, I'm also a dreamer, but I don't understand why my dreams can't come true. So I will continue to do what my grandfather could not do. I will fight. I'm a fighter. The history of our people is a great history, and it's our duty to tell that story. This is not a poem. This is an explosion. This is a rocket. Let's ride. This documentary, you should know, has already won the Grand Jury Prize in uh, the U.S. Documentary Competition at the Sundance Film Festival. So everybody's talking about this uh, this uh, project. And again, it's already winning major prizes, including uh, the Grand Jury Prize at the Sundance Film Festival. So, uh, again, I hope we can get Nikki on the line here uh, to talk about uh, this documentary. One of the other things I want to talk to her about in this hour, assuming that we can find her uh, in a few moments, um, is a piece that she did, what, now 52 years ago. I remember that because a couple of years ago on this program, uh, we spent some time talking about it uh, then. Um, uh, 52 years ago, a 28-year-old Nikki Giovanni uh, sat for a two-part conversation uh, with James Baldwin at the time, 47 years old. So he was a 47-year-old novelist. She was a 28-year-old poet, and if you've never seen this conversation, you should Google it. I've mentioned this before on this program, one of the great conversations, and I, I, I think myself a pretty decent conversationalist, and so I know great conversation when I see it. Uh, but 52 years ago, uh, taped, uh, recorded live in London in 1971, Nikki Giovanni sits down uh, at 28 with James Baldwin again, then 47, for a wide-ranging conversation Uh, Their dialogue explored black life in America, the struggle for racial justice and evolving gender roles. It also offered insights into the work and artistic process of these two literary giants, even as Nikki Giovanni was just getting started in some ways. I want to just play a clip 
from that conversation now 52 years ago of Nikki Giovanni talking with James Baldwin. Play it for me, Miles. I think that the only thing that's changed in the last, uh, since Martin Luther King, since uh, 54, I think the only thing that's really changed is the black woman. And, and what she no, said is... No, I don't think she's changed. I think she's become more visible. I think she's changed. Because there was a time, let's say my mother, you know what I mean, my aunts and things like that, they would say, okay, if that's the way you establish your manhood, mm-hmm. I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my generation says, hey, mm-hmm. no good. Okay. You must okay. establish I'll a agree. new base. I'll agree with that. And, and we are, as a group, demanding that a new base be established. Yeah, but be careful as a woman of what you demand of a man. I demand that he be a man. Yeah, but you can't because say, the but you provision can't, part. Yeah, but you can't say you demand it. You have to, you have to suggest it. Well, that, that's your ego that says that. No, I, I demand it. Now, you deal with that. All right. Okay. I I'll, even, I'll even, I'll even, I'll even I go with that. I demand that you be a man. And I don't think that that's asking too much. Because if I wanted a provision, you know, instead I would get a camper. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. get a camper. That provides things. You know what I mean? You, you get an army surplus kit. Mm-hmm. That provides mm-hmm. things. I need a man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and black men have, have always been offered to provisions. People are either going to eat or starve to death. You know, the men of Beyond, yeah, but a man, the, but, of Beyond yeah. the people were starving and they were still the men. Had to be that way through that horrendous kind of war, but it had to be that way because sometimes you are not able to feed your family. Sometimes you are not able to clothe your family. Do you then also deprive them of your manhood and of the input that a man has? Mm, mm, mm. Just a taste of this conversation that Nikki Giovanni had with James Baldwin now 52 years ago. You can find it online. Uh, it was a conversation uh, that was produced for by a black man named Ellis Hazlip, a brilliant black man who had a show on uh, PBS station in New York, WNET. It's called Soul, S-O-U-L, uh, exclamation point. Uh, it was produced for his show, two-part conversation again, taped in London in 1971. And if you've never seen that conversation between Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin, um, just amazing. And to listen to Nikki at 28 holding her own with 47-year-old icon uh, James Baldwin is amazing. Uh, you're listening to Tavis Smiley. Seeking the truth. The truth. Speaking the truth. This is the Tavis Smiley Show. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. I pray that my friend Nikki Giovanni is okay. I've known her for 30 years and never known her to not show up on time for a conversation. So I pray that she's okay. We cannot track her down. So I'm sure she's okay. Uh, we'll find out what happened today, but something went uh, off the rails. But um, I mentioned uh, moments ago that conversation with, with Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin from 52 years ago. On the occasion of the 50th anniversary of that conversation, I had Nikki Giovanni on this program. So you're going to hear some Nikki Giovanni one way or another today. I've just dug into my vault. And this was Nikki Giovanni in conversation with yours truly two years ago on the occasion of the 50th anniversary of our iconic conversation with James Baldwin. It's been 50 years since Nikki Giovanni uh, first sat down with Mr. Baldwin, as she called him then before they became friends, and she called him Jimmy. But she traveled to London to sit to talk to James Baldwin for a two-part conversation that was produced by a show called Soul, um, which was uh, helmed by a brilliant black man named Ellis Hazlip. And so we are commemorating and celebrating and looking back 50 years after that conversation. I've seen many, many James Baldwin conversations, to my mind, this is my favorite. Uh, the, the things, Nikki, that you were able to get out of him in that conversation, um, 
are, are, are still relevant even today. We're going to play a clip a little bit later here where Baldwin is talking about cops, and I think your skin's going to crawl when you hear uh, <laughs> when you hear what Baldwin was saying about cops in that conversation. But tell me a bit more about the conversation. You know, you so Ellis, you know, you 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 asked Ellis Hayes for what you wanted. <laughs> you got what you you got what you wanted, and how did you prep for that conversation? Uh, I just kept saying to myself, don't be nervous, don't be nervous. <laughs> I had, of course, like everybody, read uh, Baldwin, and there was nothing to do. I'd ask for it, and uh, the answer was yes. So what I had to do was sit down and, and, and just talk to him. And uh, I, I think that, yeah, the, the, to be honest, uh, Travis, the, the, I, I didn't want to be nervous. Mm-hmm. But there were things I wanted to know why he did. And his generation, you know, Jimmy is uh or was uh twenty years older than I am mm-hmm. or was. And his generation, Jimmy, Chester Hines, uh Richard Wright, all of them went to Europe. And so I became interested in why did you leave America and go to Europe? You know, what what made that a safe place? Because there's nothing safe about Europe, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course he he couldn't possibly think about going to Germany or something. He would have been put in a concentration camp with 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 the the Jewish people, you know. So you had this situation of how 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 are you finding peace and comfort? My generation, as you know, did not leave America. Mm-hmm. We we stayed. We decided we were going to fight and we were going to win. We just didn't want to fight, but we wanted to win. We weren't going to be polite. We weren't going to be nice. We were going to win this fight. And I'm very proud of my generation. I'm extremely proud of, of, of John Lewis and losing John was uh, was very sad. We lost John this year. Mm. But we've overlooked one of the most important women of this uh, of my generation, Diane Nash, mm-hmm. because it was Diane who, who actually uh, began SNCC, who started the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Exactly. And uh, I must say, since I have you and I am noted for saying whatever I want to, I was very disappointed that Barack Obama did not uh, uh, pardon all of the civil rights people who are still in jail. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that after we worked so hard to get that Negro in the White House, that his first job wasn't to, to pardon, to pardon rap, to pardon everybody that's in jail, because we know that they're in jail because of racism. I thought, well, for sure. He, he may not do anything else, but he'll do that. Mm. And I, I, I was very disappointed that, that Obama didn't do it. Mm. Um, how have you come to terms, since you went there, I'll follow you, how have you come to terms looking back now on the Obama presidency? Did it live up to your expectations? No. Mm. <laughs> How's that for you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. Yeah. You, 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 you're climbing a hill, you got to bring somebody with you. Right. And uh, I, I didn't think that that uh, that Obama. I didn't think that he did. Michelle, which is why everybody loves Michelle. If you look around, if you talk to people right now, everybody loves Michelle mm-hmm. because every place that Michelle went, she took somebody with her. Everybody climbed with Michelle, mm-hmm. but nobody climbed with uh, with with Barack. Mm. We 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 put him in a position, and he said, "Oh, goody," and hasn't done anything for the people since. Mm. Again, since you went there, I want to follow you. And this is not about you know, this is not about brown nosing, or it's not about me. But I, it's, it, I think you'll take my larger question here. As you know, um, I, I caught a lot of hell for my 
critique of the president when he was in the White House at the time. And a lot of black folk were upset with me. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder if you can share, um, give us something that is instructive, informative and empowering about how we go about as black people not denigrating people who are critiquing other black people. Well, first of all, everybody's got a right to some level of voice. Right. And a lot of people who criticize you, and I was not among them, as you know, a lot of people who criticize you didn't didn't have anything to say about Donald Trump, who Mm -hmm. is an evil man, Mm -hmm. who was right there. As I say all the time, if Hitler had married, you know, the devil, they, their their first child would have been evil, would, would have been Donald Trump. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> but no, I mean, you 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 were you were bringing him on, and as you recall, when when I criticized um, Bill Cosby mm-hmm. uh, for for criticizing young black men, you know, I got a lot of threats on that one, and and I thank you for standing up for me, mm-hmm. but. I think people didn't like the truth. People wanted it to be all right. They wanted it to be over. And it's not. It wasn't then, and it isn't now. Mm. We are always going to have to fight for for something right, for something that that we believe in. And um, I'm a Christian, and I'm not going to put this on anybody, but I'm a Christian. And I've often wondered, when I think of Jesus on the cross, Okay, all he's going to do is die, because he knows what he's on the cross to do. He's up there to die. And so all he had to do was hum a song. And he he must have. He must have hummed something. He must have known a song that gave him comfort while he waited to die. And then I attended Fisk University, where we continued that song all the way through the Jubilee Singers, Mm. all the way through jazz, all the way. And... I'm thinking, how can black people not know how important the song is and how important it is to remember the song and to make just little differences? So we have we have Jesus singing one thing, the Jubilee singers doing another, and we're ultimately going to come to John Coltrane. Ultimately, we're going to come, of course, to Thelonious Monk. And nobody understood Monk, did they? Mm-hmm. they we don't know what Monk is doing. He was making music, and that same sound, that came from the cross, came to Mr. Monk, mm. and is now gone to Beyonce. It, it, keeps, it keeps going on. So I think that you have to learn just not to pay any attention. That, that was a long way of saying, somebody else said it, I wish I had. You know, you, you just can't listen to fools, because they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and, and, and they No, they don't. They, they're going to try to make you feel bad, because you're trying to make somebody do the right thing. Mm. And, and, you know... You do what you have to do. No, I mean, and that that was what was important, and and you did a good job. No, that's why I love you. I mean, you 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 speak the truth, and you um, you don't bite your tongue, and I and I've always loved you for that, and I I appreciate that answer because again, it's not about me, but it's instructive and informative. Because as time goes on, you know, we're going to we're going to have more black folk running against black folk for high office. I mentioned the other day that Cory Booker and Kamala Harris ran against each other for president, you know, when, when in, in the in the field uh, a couple of years ago. And so as black people critique other black people, we got to find a way to um, to do that. I, I believe and it's not easy. I work at it every day, Nikki, but I believe there's nothing that we ever have to say or do to another human being that we cannot find a way to say or do in love. It ain't always easy. 
but I, I believe there's a way to say it or do it in love. Let me get back to James Baldwin before I, I, I yeah, move, move forward. No, you, you ain't got to apologize for anything. I love you. <laughs> before I move forward, though, I, I want to go back to James Baldwin again because you were, you, as you mentioned, James was 20 years older than you, and you were so mm-hmm. young, such a young, you know, young, gifted, and black, but you were young at that time. Were you, were yeah. you, were you in any way intimidated by sitting across from him for this conversation because you looked so comfortable on camera? <laughs> Well, thank you. And to be honest, Travis, and we've known each other a long time, I doubt that anything intimidates me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just don't think I'm intimidated. And I recently did a, 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 a talk with a young rapper who was 20 years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had to do it. And I was laughing with her. And I said, you know, in 20 years, you're going to have to do the same thing. And she said, yeah, that's what you've taught me. I said, then I've done my job. Because you're going to have these going to dump, to dump, to dump. And we're all going to be talking to each other. But it wasn't a question of intimidation. It was a question of trying to do my job. And one of the things that happened there that I thought was important, uh, I don't know where you you found it, was that Jimmy was trying to explain, as he said to me, you don't understand black men have this problem. Yes. And he explained how the pressure black men were under. And I came back because there's nothing else to do but to say, but black men go out every day and lie to white men and pretend that they're happy to Mm -hmm. have the job. Mm -hmm. Then if they only have one lie to give, give that lie to me. Go out and tell those white people how they really feel and bring the lie home and Mm -hmm. tell me that you love me. Tell me that I'm pretty. Tell me that, that, that whatever it is, lie to me. And I love, I've always loved that. Uh, when I when I reheard it, I thought, yeah, that's what, because that, I saw my parents fight. And my, my father would actually hit my mother. And I thought, you're hitting the woman who loves you, but you won't touch the person who's trying to destroy you. Something's wrong with that. And you'll see, when you see it, that Jimmy's jaw just kind of dropped because he hadn't thought about it that That's way. right, that's right. Now, I, 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 th- I thought, Nikki, it was, the, let me just say this. I thought it was the most powerful part of that two-part conversation because when I said earlier you looked comfortable, I was going to get to that, so I'm glad you went there. You're, you're, you're prescient and prophetic here because I was going there. <laughs> um, but when you push back on him on that issue, you did it lovingly. As I said, nothing that we have to say or do that we can't find a way to say or do in love. You weren't you you didn't you didn't you didn't buck up against him because he is James Baldwin after all after all. But you sure. you made your point and you made it strong and 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 you you backed James Baldwin down. He had he had I mean y'all went at it for a few minutes, but he came, I think, in that conversation to understand your point of view as a black woman. Yeah. I, I really think that I did something for black women because people keep Forgetting that, uh, and I love August Wilson's fences. Mm-hmm. When uh, when he tells uh, uh, his wife, you know, I can't give up my mistress because she makes me happy. And she looks back at him and says, you think this has been easy? You think every Friday when you come in, this is easy? Mm-hmm. You think every time we go to bed, this is good? I just thought that was good. Uh, I was sorry that I never knew Mr. Wilson. Mm-hmm. But I, I wondered if he had, had read what, what Jimmy and I had, were talking about. You know, none of it is easy. Mm-hmm. And so you have to make up your mind who you're going to lie to. You're going to make up your mind who who is important to you. And the only person that can be important to you is the people who love you. This is why I love, and, and <laughs> this is why I love talking to you. I, 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 every time I talk to you, 
I'm furiously writing as I'm trying to think at the same time. I'm trying to write, I'm trying to think, and I'm trying to listen all at one time. Because <laughs> everything, everything that comes out of your mouth is a quote. You dropping these brilliant nuggets. I, I wrote down earlier. I wrote down earlier. Um, you have to decide when to get paid and when to volunteer. That's great advice for young people and for adults, for that matter. And now you say <laughs> you got to decide who you gonna lie to. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it's, because we all do. You, you're a grown man. Yeah, we all do. So we have to make a decision. This is important to me, and I'm going to I'm going to make sure that this person gets the lie that says I love you. Yeah, no, you can't you can't lie. I'm not saying that that's a lie, but you know what I'm. We need it. No, we, we wake up when my father uh, had a stroke, and my mother called me. I didn't like him, and that's a longer story. But my mother called me, and she said your your father's in the hospital. Well, I knew she didn't call because I cared because I didn't. So I knew she called because she needed her daughter. And I got to say, there's just nothing like a daughter. Their sons do wonderful things. I have a son, but there's nothing like a daughter. And so I, I put my son, I have a son, and my dog in my little Volkswagen and drove home because I knew she needed somebody. And my father, I called him Gus. Gus and I were going back and forth when he finally got out of the hospital, but he was dying, and we knew that. And I, I understood. I finally understood, oh. One of the problems he and I are having is that I'm living in his house. So I bought my mother a house. And I said to him, you know, we're, we're moving. <laughs> and he said, I don't want to move. I said, I don't care what you want. This is, what, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. We are moving. That's my conversation with Nikki Giovanni uh, from two years ago on the occasion of her 50th anniversary, uh, sitting down with James Baldwin in London for a two-part conversation with WNET's Soul, produced by this brilliant black man in London uh, named Ellis Hazlip. Uh, when we come forward, we'll continue that conversation. I just want you to know right quick, I did just speak to Nikki Giovanni. She is okay, but she can barely speak. She has laryngitis, and she was whispering to me, told me she loved me, she apologized, and somehow the message of her being sick did not get to us but she'll be on this program again next week to talk about her new documentary going to mars the nikki giovanni project winner of the grand prize the jury prize at sundance um this year uh, but more of this conversation uh, we will reprise when we come forward with nikki giovanni on tavis smile hope agency dignity this is tavis smiley come on Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. Nikki Giovanni is doing well, recovering from laryngitis. She'll join us live on this program next week to talk about her new documentary, Going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni Project winner of the Grand Jury Prize in the U.S. Documentary Competition at the Sundance Film Festival. Now we continue our reprise of a conversation two years ago celebrating the 50th anniversary of her iconic conversation with James Baldwin. Nikki Giovanni, you... Uh, in conversation with James Baldwin literally 50 years ago this year for this two-part television special produced by Ellis Hazlip for his show Soul. The conversation took place in London in 1971. And you were talking about cops then, Nikki Giovanni, and we are still talking about cops now. Yep. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, I, I don't mean to, to stumble, Tavis, uh, Something else has to happen. First of all, uh, they are servants of the community. And we, we need to remind them of that. We need to, since we speak English, we need to uh, take, the, take it the British way. And uh, policemen don't have guns. Mm -hmm. 
you know, they, they don't carry guns. And, and policemen here don't need the gun. If you, if you have to have a gun to the point that you're afraid and you shoot a 14-year-old boy in the back, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think we need to take the guns away. I don't, I don't have a, um, a problem with that. And I think that the community needs to hire the policemen. I think that, that that's something that community needs to maybe run. Let the policemen run for office, like the mayors run for office, like everybody else runs for office. And I think it'd be interesting. You know, I want to be a policeman because I want to watch the children, you know, cross the street or something. Mm-hmm. I, I think we have to deal with it differently because it's, it's not just a job that you can, after you have gone to Vietnam and after you have gone to uh, uh Afghanistan, and after we have taught you to be a murderer, that we we bring you back home. Well, quite naturally, you're crazy. We're gonna, you know, you're gonna continue murdering. And um, we, the war is over, and this is good. The war should be over. We need to do so much more for our soldiers because they are uh, they've just been through so much, and it's, it's it can't have been easy. We've been at war with with Afghanistan twenty years, so. People grew up with the war. They grew up being taught to murder. And we just, we have to find some way, speaking of love, we have to find some way to help them. Mm -hmm. We have to find some way to to reach out. We have to find some way to quit using them because we continue to. And while I'm saying things that are probably not quite making sense, we have to get rid of uh, what is called private prisons. There's nothing crazier than the concept of private prisoner. Yes. Because private prison, all you're doing there is trying to, to, to make money. That, 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 that shouldn't be. But I'm back to, again, Obama should have, have, have tried to close these things. Now, he may say, well, it wouldn't have worked. They wouldn't have uh, voted for me. They wouldn't have. I don't know what they would have done. But I know you need to do the right thing. You need to say the right thing, and then we'll see what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of prisoners, on one of our Sobu panels, um, you were asked a question, and um, you answered the question, but then you took the liberty, as you often do, to make the point you really wanted to make. And <laughs> you, you went into um, your own sentiment about prisoners and the ability uh, of prisoners to vote, a, a, a privilege that they are right. they, they are stripped of. So I want to just remind you of what you said uh, some years ago on one of our Sobu panels about prisoner voting. Take a listen to Nikki Giovanni. Through your words, through your prose, I can remember now like a ripple upon a pond. It's looking back but moving way forward. From your point of view, looking at what you've seen, the death, the destruction, the problems, what are the new paradigms that African Americans need to be dealing with right now in the new millennium? I really think that the most important thing that the black community could do right now is we have to support the right of prisoners to vote. They are they're citizens. They're citizens. They have duties and responsibilities. We have duties and responsibilities to them. If, for example, prisoners voted in uh, North Carolina, Storm Thurmond might be gone. We, it would be a different situation. Somebody said, well, Nikki, these people committed crimes, but a lot of the crimes they committed, if they could vote, wouldn't be crimes.
And I write to prisoners. A lot of us know people. I get letters from people talking about my grandchildren. I have a friend in Marion, Illinois, Maximum Security. Whatever he's done, he's not coming out. But he still wants a playground for his little black granddaughter. He still wants a decent school. He still wants a hospital. And somebody say, well, how will we handle this if we let prisoners vote? But these are men who we say we want to rehabilitate. And we say, and men and women, and we say we want to keep them involved in being citizens and being involved with us. They need to exercise their right to vote because whatever crime they have committed does not relieve them of the responsibility of being citizens. It's an important thing. It is. Lanny was talking about responsible democracy. That's it. These men and women are a part of us. They have the time and the energy to be involved with us on, the, on a daily basis on who's running. It's going to be a different election. If we had the million people in prison voting, we wouldn't have what we got like, that we're looking at right now. We wouldn't have the situation in Texas because little George wouldn't even be there. So I, I think it's important. I think it's, it's what we've got to do because I know it frightens a lot of people to say, well, all of these people are going to be enfranchised. But this whole country started on the disenfranchisement of people like me and you. We've got to re-enfranchise because all this prison system is doing is taking people out of the workforce and taking people out of the, the, the ability to vote. I don't know what a felony has to do with voting. I just don't. No, we've got to bring them back in, and, and, and we've got to start to talk about how to bring these people into their sensibilities have to be brought to bear. And somebody goes, let me just do this, because somebody goes, oh, Nikki, they'll, they'll be out raping and pillaging and murdering, and they'll vote these. That's not the case, and you know it. That's not the case, and you know it. Some of these people are wonderful, and some of these people are awful, but they are still citizens, and they have to be treated with the respect of any other citizen, and people have to talk to them as if they were citizens. They are not things. They are not people just put away. They are not lepers someplace that we don't want to talk to. They're human beings, and we have to be involved with them. Thank you very much. Nikki Giovanni, that's my way of reminding uh, the audience and uh, – and saying to you with with deep love and gratitude that if you ain't been nothing else, you've been consistent. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and and consistency matters. That was you 20 years ago. And so the minute you mentioned prisoners a moment ago, it made me I wanted to play that clip because I wanted I wanted the audience to hear what you were saying about this issue two decades ago. Nikki. Yeah. I, I, and you really do wish that the prisoners could vote because we've now had. Uh, in our, our 44th president of the United States, uh, I think he's 44th, I lose track. Donald Trump is a, a criminal. And, and we've had criminals in the, in the, in the, in the White House. And nobody's going to do anything about that. And we had a criminal lead an attack on the, on the uh, capital of the United States. Nobody's going to say anything about that. And yet we have people in jail or not in jail, actually, but in prison because they smoked some marijuana or because somebody said, oh, I thought he looked like he looked like he had, had robbed a store or something. And it makes you crazy. I really, I, I do have strong feelings about um, prisoners being allowed to vote because they are, first of all, they are citizens. And the 14th Amendment applies to them as it does to anyone. They have to be treated with some respect. 
And I think that having the prisoners vote, we would have gotten rid of Mitch McConnell. Mm. We would have gotten rid of, we would have never had Donald Trump. And what would that mean to all of us? We, we have to, we have to make a change. So I'm glad I, I was listening to me and I was thinking, yeah, gosh, that made sense because, you know, I'm still writing Daryl. His name is Daryl, mm-hmm. Daryl Bailey. Mm-hmm. And I'm still writing him. He, he's like my brother now because I'm one of the few people he knows because his grandchildren, he's never met his grandchildren because he's been in prison. He was in a gang in Chicago. They moved all of these people out, you may or may not know, out to um, uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. But he was in a gang. Well, what would have happened if he had had books, if he had had a decent school? What would have happened if he had had a chance in life? Because we know you and I both know, and so do most of the people who are listening, that lives, their lives have been taken away, that they, they don't have a chance. And they tried to come through it. They're 16, 17 years old. They've tried to come through it, and they ended up doing something either bad or stupid. And now they've lost their lives completely because they're going to be in prison for the rest of their lives so that somebody can have a job. That, that's just not right. Mm-hmm. That's not right. More of our conversation with Nikki Giovanni from September 8th, 2021, when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Sounds different, huh? This is Tavis Smiley. Nikki Giovanni live with us next week to talk about our documentary, Going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni Project. More now of our 2021 September conversation. I hope, uh, my dear friend and my dear sister, you're going to honor me and read something for me. Will you do that today? Oh, I would love to. Uh, the 13th Amendment, you know, this is the, the celebration of the 13th Amendment, and I wrote a poem for that. And it's called But Some of Us Stayed, because I think it will. Let me read the poem. We'll talk about it later. We forget the strength of those who stayed behind. We sometimes don't recognize what it took to decide to build a church, a school, a store to sell yams we picked from the ground, the tomatoes we carefully watched turn red on the vines to seek the okra pads, as well as to pick our own cotton. We took pride in our work and lovingly encouraged our daughters to dream. We sent them, our daughters, to school then, to college, and they stayed to help others. One hundred years is not so long when we plant love with patience, when we find that song that gives us the strength to go on. And I love that because... We always celebrate, and nothing wrong with that, the people, the, the, those who were enslaved who ran, who, who escaped, and I'm glad they did. But those who stayed were not cowards or fools. Mm. Those who stayed built these communities. I'm a Fisk University graduate. Somebody had to stay so that they could say, we're going to build this school. We're going to build this church. We're going to build. And I, I just wanted to celebrate the black people that, that had the, the, the strength and I guess the nerve mm. to say we're not going to we're not running. Mm-hmm. We're going to stay. This is our home and we're going to stay. Mm. It's a it's a beautiful so, uh, it's, it's a beautiful piece. And I'm, I'm glad you chose that one to read because it uh, it's got me thinking I'll be marinating on that the rest of the day in this <laughs> in, in this season of racial reckoning that we have um, witnessed. And you've seen this more than once in your lifetime, Nikki. But in this season of racial reckoning that we've been enduring. How are you finding the strength to go on again after you've seen this time and time again in your lifetime? I'm sorry. I was, oh, God, 
a helicopter just went by. I apologize. That's that. okay. I, no, I, I just, if, if my ancestors, our ancestors, can come through those 200 years of slavery, then why wouldn't I be able to come through? How many years do I have? 50, 60? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a little bit older than I'm 78 years old. With any luck, maybe I'll be in my 80s or 90s. You mean I can't, I can't stand up and do the best I can for our people? I, I, I don't see why what is being asked of me is, it just, it's only fair. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. She's an American treasure. I just love, 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 love me some Nikki Giovanni. Her latest book is called Make Me Rain, Poems and Prose. Uh, Nikki, I got time. If you got time to break me off one more piece, I'm, st- I'm still trying to unpack oh. the, the last one you wrote. It was so powerful, but I got time for another one. If you can give me another one. Oh, I would love to. This is the love poem. Make me rain. Turn me into a snowflake. Let me rest on your tongue. Make me a piece of ice so I can cool you. Let me be the cloud that embraces you or the quilt that gets you dry. Snuggle close. Listen to me sing on the windowsill. Make me rain on you. Wee. I always like a love poem. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I, I love a love poem, too, especially that one. I've got to learn that and, and recite that a few times. That's, that's a good one, Nikki. That's a good one. Uh, ain't nothing like a love poem, especially one written by <laughs> written by Nikki Giovanni. You even got applause from, from the board op on that one. That was so powerful. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let me ask, after all these years, um, you're clearly still doing what you do better than anybody else. Ha, ha, are you finding inspiration in different places? I'm, I guess I'm trying to ask whether or not your inspiration for writing in any way has morphed or changed over the years. Oh, I, I've learned a lot. You are very different at, at 50 than you are at 27, and you certainly are very different in the 70s. And I, I'm sitting on my deck right now, and you can hear some outside mm-hmm. things. And it's nice to sit here. I've got some goldfish in my pond. And... I've I've learned that I have to, I can't do everything. So I have to do what I can do. And I also know that it's important for the older generation, which would be mine, to appreciate and and do what we can to support the younger generation. So the the women who are wonderful, the women who who, uh, 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 created uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, Mm I, I want to support them. I mean, that I do. And, and when I get a chance to say that, I do. But I don't want to try to tell them what to do. I don't want to try to control it. I watched Roy Wilkins try to control Martin Luther King. I've watched all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, at my age, I'm supposed to say to the young, to the young people, you know, you're doing a good job because they are. And I love it. I'm glad that you're still on the air. And I'm glad that you invite somebody like me to be on. And it's, it's, it's just, it's good to be alive. I'm going to recommend life. And I think that, I am. I think that, that the kids should know that because they're always trying to make something wonderful. You know, they, they spend too much time, I think, on Facebook. I think it's important to spend some time with the people who love you 
and to spend some time trying to learn more about yourself. When you get to be my age, you'll sit on the deck. And uh, it's too early right now. But at 6 o'clock, I, I usually bring a glass of champagne out here. <laughs> and one day I won't, be able to, I won't be able to afford it. But right now, I afford my, I can afford it. So I have my glass of champagne. And I, try to, I just try to think and, and, and let the world talk to me, let the clouds talk to me. It's live radio, and sometimes you got to call an audible, and we call it an audible. Uh, it's great to have a great uh, library of uh, amazing conversations. That was Nikki Giovanni from September 8th, 2021, uh, and she'll join us live next week when she recovers from laryngitis to talk about her new documentary, Going to Mars, The Nikki Giovanni Project. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.